Charles Carter to my left, Will Doctor, and I and producing for us is Marcus Castillo, man. Um, before we get into it, you can follow us on Instagram at the dot podcast and on Twitter at the Break Room H O U. How you doing, fellas? Charles, good to be back with you, buddy. Missed you last week. We've been in and out of battling with some some COVID issues, but we're back. We're rolling, fresh off a sports packed weekend. Oh yeah. I'm sick of dealing with COVID, man. If I swear if I hit COVID one more time, like, uh, I mean, you know, I was okay. I was out last week with some family, had it, and, you know, just kind of trying to keep an eye on everybody and rush to give people what they need because they can't go to the store and this is that. Just really That's just what comes first. Exactly. That's what comes first. I mean, it's I, – I, I understand your feeling because when I had COVID, it was just nothing but panic. Like, getting in here, getting in the studio, you can't get – you can't come to work because – you don't want to spread it to anyone, and but even getting anything done virtually, you know, Zoom classes, it's just when you have the COVID, it's pure panic. It's just a lot, uh, man. But glad everyone's healthy, everyone's doing all right. We're coming off a, a pretty uh, a pretty packed sports weekend. I keep saying every week with, you know, some of the NBA going on, obviously we just got through the NFL playoffs. I feel like sports is, is slowly but surely getting back on track to, to what we missed out on for, I mean, pretty much the last year. I mean, yeah. Charles, we're coming up, you know, I guess February 9th, you know, a year ago around this time, you know, the United States is in a full panic. Sports is the last thing anyone's thinking about. So, you know, it's good to have things back on track. Certainly Tom Brady winning another ring. He's now seven for 10 in Super Bowls, but Tom winning another ring, you know, it, it, I can't help but to say sports is back. It is crazy, man. And you know what? I uh, added you on Twitter about that Tom Brady promo or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, into the fray we go. I mean, Tom's social media page has quickly eclipsed, I think, the best in the league. I'm sure someone's managing his digital editing. But, yeah, into the fray, Tom went. Man. Skated right through the playoffs. It it was no problem for Tom. But uh, we obviously have to pay respect to the Buccaneers' defense. Todd Bowles, who uh, is a defensive coordinator, put together an unbelievable game plan. I mean, it, it was special to watch. There's not another defense in the league who's not allowing Kansas City to put up one touchdown. Yeah, it was a you know it was a good week for me. I had Bucks plus three, Bucks money line, and I had the Bucks futures <laughs> from guy. before the season. <laughs> Went all uh, in on the Bucks. Yeah, no, nah, <laughs> look, I was all in on Tom the the entire playoffs, and you know, but but like I said, this was as much as a win for the defense as it was for Tom. I, I mean, I hope Tom is is decking out Todd and the entire defense and Aston Martins after this one. Definitely. Also, to add on to top what Todd Bowles did, he drew up a we can almost never say a perfect game plan. But it was absolutely sound and perfect. There were no flaws, even more so to that. The defense execution, we didn't see any missed assignments. There was no more of somebody was supposed to cover Tariq Hill and they didn't. There, was, there wasn't any of that. It was all, all screens were covered. All deep threats were covered. And they were only running four. So the blitzes, I think they blitz only, what, 10% of the game? And so, uh, if I, excuse me if I get that number wrong, but he was pressured over 50% of the game with no, with hardly any blitzes. You know, the, the Chiefs, Bienemy was sending Kelsey deep on pretty much every play. Bienemy had no interest in, in establishing any sort of run. I mean, I'm, I'm against the whole establishing run on, mm. on first and second downs, early downs, which is just typically what I like from Bienemy, uh, but it was not working. I mean, the Bucks had a healthy secondary, pretty much had a whole a whole healthy defense, and what they were doing was, I mean, they were crushing the middle with the D line and the linebackers. Yeah. Kelsey was not there to block at all the entire game. He was going deep on every time, so they were having their way with Mahomes, and I think there was certainly a lack of patience uh, from Bienemy, who is the play caller, and, and was just trying to get it down the field all game, and it wasn't working. It was huge for the Bucks defense to have to have Whitehead and and Winfield healthy and Hill. Obviously, he didn't only get locked down; he dropped two huge passes. I've been saying all year that Hill's the number two wide receiver in the league. You know, I I can't quite I can't you know he he didn't back that up. You know, he had two balls that hit him directly in the face. Obviously, that second one was a crazy throw from Mahomes. Was pretty much parallel with the yeah. ground um, and zipped one right into Hill's face, but. 
you know, the they had very limited chances for for the uh, for the Chiefs' offense. Yeah, and what I got from that game is that, and not saying that their offense isn't made up of you know good players or decent players, but I think I think Devin White, the linebacker. Yeah, Devin White, Devin yeah. White, and Levante David, two yeah. linebackers. Yeah, he said in a, in a, in the post game interview that. They're a gimmicky offense, and we don't play any of that. I'm paraphrasing here, but he said we don't play any of that. We play hard-nosed football. And I remember saying in our last episode what I thought the Bucks needed to do to win was almost get outside of themselves and diversify their offense, which is not what they needed to do at all because they didn't do it. They stuck to who they were, and they stayed how they always played, and they won soundly. You know, So credit to the offense for staying – Staying with their own identity, the defense uh, not getting outside themselves either, and doing what just needed to be done with their execution. Yeah, they, also, they yeah. Or also, also what I saw with the offense is that it's made up of so many playmakers. Like, okay, so a lot of times we have like, let me say it like this: good players can be playmakers, but playmakers can't be good players. Does that make sense? Like, you can have Julio Jones, for example. We know Julio Jones to be a great player because he's a receiver who can block and catch and run, but. Tariq Hill, not saying that he's he's not good at all. Great playmaker, not a real blocking receiver. I, I think I know what you're saying. The the Chiefs just have a ton of jets exactly. that just goes down the field. And and you're exactly right. The stats backed it up. Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson got shut down the two Jets. And I think you can agree. I mean, Tyreek for for what was expected, I mean, I think the Bucks the Bucks held their own against him. I mean yeah. Look, seven seven receptions for seventy three yards, no touchdowns, two pretty big drops. I think the Bucks defense got the job done done against him. And what you're talking about with with Devin White, Devin White made a case for Super Bowl MVP, definitely, and even even MVP of the entire Bucks run. Devin White's the leader of that defense. He's a dog out there. You know, another thing with the with the with the Chiefs offense, you know, their whole line was banged up and. That 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 team, that linebacker team of of Levante David and and Devin White, you know, are a matchup that I hope stays together for years to Definitely. come. I think it's it's the two most dangerous linebackers in the league. I, I think it, they complement each other so nicely because Devin White holds down uh, the run and blitzes the quarterback so well. He's not the best in pass coverage, but then Levante David comes in and holds his own. Um, I'm expecting for the Bucks to re-sign David. It's going to be a big contract, but I think he's really the heart and soul of that defense. They remind me so much of what the Panthers used to have with Luke Kuechly and Johnson. Just a dynamic duo who they cover for each other's weaknesses. One might not be able to cover, but the other one can. One is, isn't the best at reading gaps when they move, but the other one can do that. You know, yeah. So they're just such a dynamic duo, and they, they have such fearlessness with blitzing. You know, and covering tight ends, and so usually sometimes we see smaller linebackers with bigger tight ends. They might shy away from just a tad bit. They might cover them not as tightly, but they come with such ferocity, and you know, and they're not afraid to play put a hat on them. Well, going back to what you said about the whole kind of Chiefs and uh, kind of want to do the air raid consistently, yeah. I, I I honestly find that to believe kind of true only because that they had a hurt line and I felt like the Chiefs offense couldn't adapt to that. If you notice when they were running the ball with Hilaire, Edward Hilaire, he was actually doing pretty well, but I felt like the Chiefs were so headstrong in their air raid offense that it couldn't work for them even with the hurt line. They did not want to adapt with it. It's kind of like in boxing. Like I'm, gra- I'm glad you brought up that point because that's a great point. Because it was hilarious. He, well, he had a, I think, what was it, nine carries for 64 yards. Yeah. And so he was having a great day. But it's kind of like I'm, I'm about to say with boxing, boxing reference. So, not a. I mean, the line couldn't help, couldn't help him though. The I mean, line he, help, he, and they didn't have. Faith. Yeah, I mean, Hilaire isn't Hilaire. I mean, once again, Hilaire is like another receiver for them. You know, mm-hmm. but but go on with your point. Okay, so. In boxing, it's something like amateur boxers do a lot of the time. And so it happens to them a lot. So say you, you're you right-handed, right? And you're coming into the fight and you're looking to catch them with your right, but you you hit them with it and you catch them, but it doesn't do anything. You kind of lose your heart because you're like, that was my best shot and it's not working. Yeah. And so you lose, your, you lose your heart for the whole fight. That's what I saw a lot with the Chiefs when the, pass, when the air raid offense wasn't working. Nobody was catching. Nobody was uh, open. Uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't have any time. And so we completely neglect the run game because it's like, well, that's what we do. And so that's their identity. And once that wasn't working, it's kind of like, well, let's keep yeah, doing it until yeah. it works. Pass, 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 pass. Find Kelsey in the middle. That was their only hope. Kelsey it. in the middle. 
because you're exactly right. Hilaire had nowhere to go. I mean, I, I think they gave up on it too. Nine carries, I, I think, I gave up on it a little bit, and then and then Tom was ruthless. You know, he was he was doing his job, and and I think it was it was killing Reed because I mean, moving away from from the Chiefs rushing, I, I just think he saw he saw the run game and and you know simply said you know this is just not going to work. It wasn't. They had a they had a second string offensive line, you know, with their you know Fisher out, uh, the entire line was out. The running game just didn't even seem like an option. Um, and then when, especially when you have an arm like Mahomes, you know, it, it's exactly like your box, boxing reference. Why go to your left if you can hammer him with your right? The right wasn't working all night. Let's get into Tom a little bit. Let's get into Tom. This Let's is he is seven 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 for ten. In uh, in Super Bowls, he had himself in. You know, it was a good day for Tom. It was a good day. It was a relaxed day. Twenty one, twenty nine, two hundred yards, three touchdowns. Almost like another day in the office, huh? Really? No, nah, it was another day in in the office, and 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 it was just the old crew getting it done. Gronk, man, A B. <laughs> these are Gronk and A B weren't even playing in the NFL last year. Tom brings these two guys back and has himself a day. And another one is Fournette, playoff Lenny. Playoff Lenny, man. He wouldn't Going have had. In, like. He would not have had a place in the NFL if it wasn't for Bruce Arians and Tom Brady bringing him in this year. And and, and they saved him a lot this year, just as they did with Gronk and, and AB for most of the playoffs. These, they they really they didn't see a whole lot of time through the year, um, and with Gronk and AB through the playoffs. You know, Ronald Jones was the main back for most of the year. Playoff Lenny comes out of nowhere and gets the job done. With Playoff Lenny going in, and all like I said, all those players that scored weren't even on the team uh, the season before. That's the crazy No, they weren't thing. in the NFL. The... They weren't in the NFL. But A.B. and A-B Gronk, and Gronk weren't, weren't. They weren't on teams last year. And Gronk, I mean, Gronk, Gronk last year, you know, going into last year, you not this, not this season, not the the Bucks championship season, but last year. I mean, he had no foreseeable return. He came back, and I think the season long game plan that the Bucks have with Gronk is, you're, you know, we'll let Bray take most of the take most of the damage all year, and then you're gonna come out of nowhere in the playoffs, and defenses aren't gonna have an answer for you. I mean, this and and the same goes for AB. When when you pull those guys out of nowhere, two extremely talented guys with a great relationship with Tom Brady, with a clear plan of what the of what the of what the game plan is, like those guys are going to execute. They are pros, pros, first teamers. Yeah. And um, out, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. and, and, and no, I mean the Chiefs just had zero answer for it. Yeah, and shout out to Brady and uh, Gronk because I remember the beginning of the season, I thought Gronk and OJ Howard were going to dominate. The league as tight ends, a tight end duo. OJ Howard has breakaway receiver speed almost, and Gronk is just the, one of the best blocking tight ends ever. And so, also he can catch and he can run. So, for Bray to step up the way he did uh, through the season, through the playoffs and the Super Bowl, it's shout out to him and Bruce Arians for just implementing him into the offense and have given him the role that he had. No, nah, it's a real yeah, it's a real testament to. Uh, Brady's competitiveness. I mean, y'all y'all saw him out there getting in Honey Badger's face. You know, Man. Badger almost picked him off. I think it was it was the first or second drive of the game, but Badger almost picked him off. And the only prop that I liked before this game was for for Honey Badger to throw a pick. I did not take it because listen, I I, I saw what Brady was doing all week. He kicked Giselle and the kids out of the house. I got to zone in. I was really banking on Brady just not throwing a pick. I did not want to see that today. You know, he's been doing it off and on through the year in the playoffs. I just don't like seeing Tom Brady throwing picks. But, yeah, he uh, after that, he had Honey Badger's number the entire game. And and Badger got in, in Tom's face off the jump and was like, we're coming for your head. And Brady uh, exposed him in the end zone, hitting A-B while Honey Badger was on him. And, Brady went right up in his face. I think he had a he had a couple of harsh words for Badger. Yeah. He ended up sending a text after the game, um, apologizing. But look, wasn't it's, the, it wasn't the score like twenty eight to nine at that point when <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it was. But Tom had his number all game. He had a, I mean, he had the entire defense on their on their toes. Uh, but I, I did th- I did you know, those are two ultimate competitors and um you know, Tom Tom's not a, Tom's gonna keep going. 
uh, I recently saw on the social media that they're comparing the mentality of Tom Brady to Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan because he just has that killer mindset. No, I mean, and 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 that's spot on. You know, Tim Grover talks about you know closers, you know, washers, closer, and cleaners. Tom Brady is is a cold stone cleaner. You're talking about a guy who's played in ten Super Bowls. That that's his seventh win. He's 43 years old, and by the numbers, you know, he has the most QB value out of any quarterback of all time in the regular season and playoffs. Uh, but when talking about the mindset of those, uh, of Kobe, MJ, and Brady, you know, those are three of my guys simply because of the mindset. I know Kobe isn't winning the race and numbers and, and, you know, best of all time in the NBA, but as far as being a winner and getting the job done, you know, MJ, Brady, and Kobe are the three best cleaners, in my opinion. You know, the three best winners. Yeah, definitely. And really, that uh, that mentality should have been given to Tom Brady right after the Falcons Super Bowl. That should have happened as soon as they came back and won. Because to come back down, what was it, 28-3 to at halftime? 24-3, uh, 20, I 24 think. 24-3? Yeah. I think they got a 28, though, after halftime. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So – to come back down from a 25-point de- deficit in the Super Bowl, which the only, the biggest deficit at the time was 10 points. To, m- to make history like that, yeah, no, nah, you definitely got Mamba mentality, Jordan mentality, and now I guess it's Tom mentality now. So, And, and I think through this year, we, we, you know, we talked about COVID, you know, the, the, even the minor you know, struggles that you and me have been through just recording this podcast, yeah. uh, the delays and everything. I mean, Tom Brady picked a new team. Through this, you know, through the pandemic, no preseason, no time, you know, with, with the players before the season, and, and goes eleven and five and sweeps uh, on the road through the playoffs. I mean, until he came home for the Super Bowl. I mean, he went on the road and beat Washington. He went on the road and beat New Orleans. He went on the road and beat Green Bay, um, all without a preseason at forty three years old, uh, building chemistry as he went. I mean, Tom Brady is the ultimate cleaner. I have no problem putting an, you know another futures pick on Tom for next year. I mean, he'll be 44. I listen. I'm throwing age out the window with Tom. I, I'm kind of done. I, I should start. Yeah, I should yeah, just go ahead and do it. Like I, it's, it's. I bet against. Okay, I bet against Tom with Green Bay. I bet against Tom. Uh, I think I bet against. I, I can't remember. I don't remember. I think I bet against him with New Orleans also. You can't and bet against, bet against, you can't bet against Tom. Charles, Three times. Charles, Charles, okay, I was right Charles, there with you. When, when are we going to learn that you cannot bet against this guy? Three times. Oh, but you know, but everyone was like, oh, <laughs> but, every, but, but it's Mahomes minus three. You never, you never lay off Mahomes minus three. Oh, come oh, on, man. I, come on. I apologize. I apologize, Tom. I mean, well, you know, I, Marcus, gotta, I mean, you're a tech. All the, yeah, you know, everyone from tech, especially. I'm sorry, you brought it upon yourself. <laughs> Uh, my mom had a had a bet against you know a tech supporter. I mean, listen, listen, it's nothing against Mahomes, but but the numbers speak for themselves. You do not bet against Tom Brady. I wanted the Bucks to win in my heart, though. I did, I, I, I will say that I was a supporter, but I didn't think you could do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. I was definitely one of those my tech supporters, kind of keep them too true to my roots, rooting for my Patrick Mahomes, but I. I can't doubt the old dog, man. I can't doubt the old dog, and I apologize, Will, for going against your opinion. Old dog? Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Old dog. We're back to this age thing. Yeah, I'm done with with counting, you know, with with celebrating Tom's birthdays. I I suggest everyone go out there and look at a picture of Tom when he first enters the draft and look at him now. I, look, this guy looks 10 years younger than when he entered the draft. I mean, he— and it's another testament to his his work ethic on and off the field. But I mean, I, Tampa Bay is going to bring back most of their young young defense. You really just have to 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 figure out what you're going to do with Levante David. Hopefully, sign him. You might lose Godwin, but wide receivers with Tom Brady they come and they go. They come oh, and they man. go. He can do with anybody. If Godwin wants to go break the bank with another team, he can absolutely do that. Mike Evans has already come out and said, "I'll take a lesser contract to play for this team." Uh, these guys want to be with Brady. Even on the defensive end, these guys want to be with Brady. I, I can't speak for all the entire team. You know, to look, everyone has their own situation of being able to take less money yeah. in the NFL, and there's no days that are guaranteed in that league. Um, it, it's not a player's league yet. 
Well, yeah, and I'm just gonna. I was gonna to close out saying I, I really think they can bring back most of this roster and run it back. Yeah, with and with that, like I, I really think they do get a chance to bring everybody back. Which the players, I can't. If it were me, I would definitely want to stick around because I mean, even though Tom Brady said he's willing to play, he's thinking about playing past what 45, I think. And um, they're really on to something special in Tampa. Like a lot of times we see in the Super Bowl, we see that. Oh well, this team had the better offense, or this team defense had the better defense. But in recent years, for me, Tampa looked like the best team in football. Period. The hands end. down, like, hands down. Yeah. Like their defense was better, the offense was better. You know, it, everything was so complete. And so, very seldom do we get to ever say that about a team who's won. We usually say it was just one thing or the other, or this. But it was always just one thing, isn't it? Rarely can we say it was both. It was, a, it was the complete team, which is head and shoulders above this other team. And so, with that being said, I think that all these players should definitely aim to stick around because you don't get to say you don't get to say that too often. No, no, you're an elite company now. I, I, uh, I, I completely agree. Oh yeah. With that being said, now we're going to be right back with the Texans, and you can follow us at the Break Room H O U on Twitter and the.breakroom.podcast on Instagram. And we'll see you back in just a minute. All right, we're back on the break room. We just discussed some, you know, the Super Bowl overview, the greatness that we saw. We're going to move on to to a losing team here at home in Houston, the complete dumpster fire, and and just kind of the ongoing situation with Deshaun. We haven't heard from him, you know, directly yet. There's so-called sources talking about what he wants. The only update i have is kareem jackson said he came out and he he talked to deshaun um about coming coming to denver and that's supposedly in his top five places he wants to go in the hypothetical situation that he does go to denver i like what they got running there obviously he's he's another level from drew Locke, but they got kj hamler they got jerry judy and and some other great weapons that he can utilize. I think Elway would love to have himself, you know, yeah. uh, Deshaun Watson at QB. Uh, I know he has a lot of trust in Locke, but Locke's, Locke's, that, Locke's in that mid to lower level system quarterback at this point right now. Um, you know, there's no doubt they want to have Deshaun. But the ultimate problem is no one seems to have enough to get the Texas interest. They're not answering the phones. Yeah, I don't know if you could hear me earlier, but every time – for this episode, every time somebody says the organization of the Texans, I will make a fart sound, okay, because that's what I just believe what they are, and that's what they deserve for their uh, recent behavior and recent handlings of Deshaun Watson. So Drop it on them, then. And I will just let you know. Every time you say that organization's name, I will, I will make no, that we'll, sound. No, we'll drop it on them. Okay. But, yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. It's like I said um, a few episodes ago, it's kind of like with when we were moving James Harden it feels like it's never going to be enough for you. You know, uh, I mentioned to you earlier before uh, we started the show that I was hearing some things about San Francisco. And because, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, if Kyle Shanahan can get his hands on Deshaun Watson, it'd be phenomenal. And it'd be a Super Bowl contender and everything. And so I was just looking at some things for what it could possibly look like, a trade like that could look like. Because I, I think Denver would be a horrible, horrible trade because you wouldn't get anything worth any kind of value if you're not including a lot of draft picks. With San Francisco, I had Nick Bosa and three first-round picks. Another thing, another option could be Nick Bosa, Jimmy G, and a second round. It's really A, a it's, first and a second. Right. Me, it, it's the issue from the 49ers side with that is, and, and it's it's really one with every team. Oh, here, I'll start with, with, the, with the Bosa, Jimmy G, what'd you say? It was uh, Nick Bosa, Jimmy G, a first and second. Yeah, they can keep Jimmy, and we'll just we could just take another first round pick. I'm not sure where the Niners fall in this year's draft, but I think any move that we have we, we're making with Deshaun needs to come with a pick that we're going to use to draft a quarterback. Because listen, I'm not I can't sit here and say I know what Jack and Cal are thinking because they're not even answering the phones. But yeah, if we're going to make any kind of trade. We gotta. We have to be in a situation to get a quarterback. Number two, where I was going was 
there is not a team out there that can currently trade for Deshaun and not screw up the or their organization in another, in another aspect yeah. for, for that matter. Like, you look at the Jets, and there's a lot of people talking about Miami and New York, Miami Dolphins and New York Jets. Well, both situations, you know, from a, from a smart GM perspective, the Jets are not truly all in all as a team going to win that trade. Yes, you're going to get Deshaun Watson, but for what you have to give away, an organization has to give away their future, which is only right. You know, like mm. the, Deshaun, wait, it's like 126 million, 74 million guaranteed. You know, I think those those numbers are are correct. But anyways, it's a trade that the NFL has never seen before, and it's a power struggle and. It's really a lose-lose. I don't see I, you know, I, I, I raved about the Jets, you know, trade because it would look the best for the Texans, you know. But I, if they're not answering the phones now, then that's that's obviously out of the question. And no, I agree with you exactly. Like teams can't. Deshaun Watson is a top three quarterback in the league right now. I think we can everybody can agree on that. But the biggest problem is, like you said, to sign him, you have to forfeit your future especially for teams that already don't have much already, for a team that could really stand to give up their future, they already have to be on the cliff of high, uh, long playoff run or a championship. But at the same time, if you're already that close, do you really need to shine? Yeah. And I, you know what I mean? So I that's think, the conflict, you know? Right. I think that's kind of what, what I look at with the 49ers. I, mm-hmm. I just – I see them as being way too close, and I see Kyle Shanahan as a coach who can – in the next couple of years, if Jimmy doesn't work out, I, I he is the type of coach that can bring in a mid-tier system quarterback, maybe some running ability, and, and can get the job done. I think he definitely wants to hold that defense together around Bosa. A lot of good years left. Hypothetically, could you throw me a, throw me a name for uh, that they could pick up? Because, like I, uh, I was a, saying, a, a name. Episodes, I was saying a few episodes ago, it's going to be a lot of quarterbacks moving around. And actually, now it's going to be a lot more than I even predicted. I was expecting maybe like five or six, but now it's looking like maybe twelve to fifteen. And in the, in the draft or, or just in general, just in to, general. to replace Deshaun? Uh, not to replace Deshaun. Well, I was talking about with San Francisco. Oh, okay. To get them over the cliff. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not sure, Marcus. Can you look where San Francisco falls in the draft next year? I mean, they're in a tough situation. From what we've heard from the 49ers, I Bosa came out and said, you know, they're they're riding with Jimmy. Um, obviously, it's not Bosa's decision, but it seems like they're going to ride with Jimmy this year. And and in the future, I mean, when you talk about QBs that Kyle would want, I mean, anything more mobile than Jimmy, I think that's all he lacks. So, San Fran is picking number 12, pretty much the meat of the first round. Ooh. So, yeah, see, I, that's I don't close think enough. it's worth anything. Nah, well, yeah, no, it's not for us because I think Wilson's going to be gone. Lance Zerline put Trey Lance Lance Zerline in his in his mock draft that came out last Friday has has San Francisco picking Trey Lance at number 12 you know hey, we could see it we could see it right. we could see that happen you know Trey Lance you know I know LZ is is, is highly thinks highly of, of, of Trey Lance personally haven't seen a whole lot of his tape but I know he's a great he has potential to be a great QB with a coach like Kyle Shanahan like so many quarterbacks do that's what you know I'm I'm really I wouldn't be picky on on what quarterback goes there if if it didn't work out with Jimmy but yeah I I still I still wouldn't want San Francisco's 12th pick in the draft I, if if we're going to go you know trade we, we need a QB of of in my opinion it would be Zach Wilson after the uh, a Jets trade which doesn't mm-hmm. look like it's going to happen so what do you think about, because I, I recently heard this kind of thrown out today, something about the Raiders. Uh, what do you think about a Derek Carr first-round pick and, you know, more stuff for him uh, to get in from the Raiders? You don't need a quarterback. Maybe we could go somewhere else with their first-round pick. I, I, I would, no, no, I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't want Derek Carr here. Really? No, I don't. I would do the same thing that I would do if we got Darnold instead of a first-round pick. I would take Carr and then flip him or, or just ask for another pick. Uh, where'd you say they fall in this year's draft? Seventh pick. Yeah, seventeenth. Seventeenth. Okay, so no, they're Ooh. no. I don't. No. I don't want anything to no. do with that. I mean, look, as far as rebuilding, technically we don't need a quarterback right now. But this, the only, I mean, the only other quarterback that I know that's 
that's like when you're looking long term would be maybe like a Spencer Rattler from OU that's coming up. This is, in my opinion, if if we're, if we're going to switch quarterbacks and start mm-hmm. rebuilding, this is the draft to do it. See, for me, I, I think I disagree with Will. For if I would take something from the Raiders, I would I would probably take Derek Carr. Derek Carr is not a horrible quarterback. You know what I mean? He's He's just right for the Texans. Texans don't like getting stars for whatever reason. Or we like getting washed-up stars or mid-tier people to thinking we can mold them into superstars for whatever reason. He's just right for the Texans because this city is ready to lose for the next four years. And and him coming here, his brother David had a bunch of losing seasons here. It'd be fitting for Derek to come here and and, and lose. He would have no chance. I think Derek, okay, well, I think Derek is better than David. And I think back then David didn't. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're right about that. And so also, not just him, I would also take their tight end. Waller, Darren Waller. Definitely take him and the first round. If you throw that in, I could, I might be able to swing Deshaun. I could, I could go for that maybe. But then that's their whole team. Exactly. I mean, it, we you have to give you up your cannot win. You yeah, have Will said, let me go back to what I originally said. No, but I mean, <laughs> listen, I like. Look, we need a tight end here. I mean, it's been two. It's been since Owen Daniels since we had a tight end who could do anything, and it's such an essential part of offensive these days. But then you you put yourself in Gruden's shoes, and like you hear that deal, and your offense is gone because he's a stud. Uh, Waller's a stud that that holds that. I mean, he he made Carr look pretty good this year. Waller is a Ferrari sitting in an apartment home. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. Just like uh, I would was in his prime. Talking about tight ends for the Texans, if we can somehow get Pitts from Florida, Kyle Pitts from Florida this year, you know, we're going to need a first round pick. But it, Deshaun needs a tight end. Uh, we're going to get into some draft stuff here in the next couple of weeks. But Wallen, Kelsey, Kittle, Brait, you know, Randolph, all, all these contending teams seem to have a pretty trusty tight end. You know, I wouldn't expect the Texans to know that because they blow their blow their cash on running backs and overpaid defensive players who no one can name. And, and I mean, the, uh, the defense is another story. I don't see that getting better in the near future just because of cap. And, and, you know, with our new head coach, David Coley, Jack Easterby is picking his entire staff, which is unheard of for a coach to come in without a staff in 2020. Um, you know, what do you think about, about Coley's opening presser? David Coley is – okay, so – He's been in the league 27 years, and he's 65 years old, and he's getting his first head coaching job. He's never been an offense or a defense coordinator, you know. So him coming into this situation when the Texans are such a, a mess of organization, like they have your your starting quarterback is wants to leave. Uh, you have a new GM who doesn't I, – I, I could honestly – I don't think he really knows the lay of the land, how really bad it really is just yet an owner who doesn't necessarily know how to run an organization and the Mount Rushmore of your organization is supporting their starting quarterback to leave. So there's a, there's a major disconnect between management and the players and you're supposed to be the bridge, but you've never had a coordinating job. That's what you're coming into. And so David Cully in his interview, I don't know him personally. I would actually wish him the best. I want him to succeed, but it just seems like he's such a, he seems like a yes man to me. I mean, he's posing. And, and so you know, and, and yeah, like you said, we're in no position to make a judgment on on who David Cully is a person. I I'd bet that he's a he's a great guy, dude. Yeah, so, great uh, individual. And Casario obviously had I mean, that's all he said about him. He, they, he didn't have much else to say about him. Give me X's and O's. Give me yeah, a plan. Coley, give me I mean, yeah, Coley like, Coley was in charge of the worst passing game in the NFL this year. I mean, when they introduced him, he came out, and the first two minutes of, of his presser was about, you know, how good of people Cal, you know, the McNair family, family is, is. And, and how, you know, hope and prayer is going to get him through this season. I, I have no other explanation for David Coley but to call him a poser, a yes man. Listen, it, it's tough to make a, a judgment call on this because – Listen, Coley, you know, he he's probably really thrilled to have his first head coaching Absolutely. job. Absolutely. You can see it on his face. And you can see that he wants to coach Deshaun. He is coming out and saying, hey, Deshaun Watson is the Houston Texans quarterback. Dead ass. And Deshaun's taken the Texans' name off his bio that day. I mean, it's a real 
it, it's a mess, and and it was only more. Fr- I mean, y'all 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 gonna have to go back and 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 listen to it. But all he all he all Coley could talk about and Casario was how great the McNair family is and how they've brought him in and and treated him with great respect. From a personal level, I can't make a call on the McNair family either. For all I know, they're, they they could be they could be, they great, could be people. great people. They could be great people, but Cal McNair does not know how to run a football team. That is facts at this point. I mean, there is no if and us about it. He picked the worst possible head coach you could pick. The enemy wanted fifty percent of the of the roster control and his own staff. Now that I'm seeing what they're doing with Coley bringing in his whole staff. I mean that must have been straight off the table for being me. I mean I'm I'm not surprised that he didn't even get around. I think he got two virtual interviews in, you know, but I think that's where him and the Texans stood. I can't blame Eric Bieniemy for staying in Kansas City one bit. Yeah, and it seems like with David Cully, like I said, I feel like he's just a yes man just based off his interview alone. And so it seems like with everything that's going on with the organization with the Texans organization that it's it's he's set up to fail. He's gonna. I feel like he's gonna be out in three, maybe four years, if nothing changes. Because one, he's not getting to pick his own staff. Kyle's going to pick it, or uh, Jack's going to pick it. They're, they're already. They're bringing. They're bringing the new they, people in. And so Coley's never even met him before. It's it, just. What, yeah. what is that? What uh, so I think it's setting. This, yeah, I think they're setting. They're setting him up to lose. And so you need. I mean, it's it's easy to say you need chemistry to coach. You can't just all throw a bunch of guys who've played football before and say, hey, go fix this team. Go fix this dumpster juice of a team and make them win some games because they couldn't do it with the, one of the best quarterbacks in football. They couldn't do it. And so they, you have no defense, you have no quarterback, and you have no offense. Go fix that, put it all together, stir it around, and make something out of it. It, it made no sense at all. And so David Cully, being a 65-year-old guy, Getting his first head coaching job in the NFL. I mean, what else could he say? Yeah. I love the McNair family. Yeah, you know, and I mean, so. it, it was it was a hundred percent scripted. Now, I mean, I think we can finish off with this with the Texans. Every everything we're hearing out of the organization is scripted. When Cal talks, when Nick talk, Casario talks, and when David Coley talks, and we we can't get a real statement out of anyone. And we can't even, I mean, I hate to look, I'm team Deshaun all the way. We can't even get a real statement out of him. I mean, this is just a childish situation going down. Um, I feel for Deshaun. I really do. I mean, I'm not on the free Deshaun boat because he sat down and signed that contract with Bill O'Brien, who we all knew was a clown yeah. way before Deshaun signed that contract. So, listen, you signed a five-year deal here. If they're not willing to let you go... Listen, you have to sit or play. You you're you're guaranteed seventy four million dollars. So, you know, if they can't strike a deal, listen, I get it. Deshaun, you're in your prime. You don't want to get hurt. You're you're you know, you're with a bum organization. But I keep going back to this. He at, at some point or another, he sat down with Cal McNair and Bill O'Brien and, and signed a contract to stay in this city. You know what you know what it's a contract's a contract, Charles. Yeah, and so I mean Thing last just to end it off. I'm really waiting for when all this is said and done, years to come later, on the 30 for 30 that's going to be done on this team. Like I, I can't really wait till it comes out because I'm pretty. It has to be much more than what the public knows. Yeah, there's some beans that are going to be spilled. I, I, I know. You know, I don't know anything as of right now. That's right now. There's nothing coming out of this organization because they're so they're so wrapped up in trying to make this the Patriots way. Oh, Belichick never says a word. Create your own stuff. Yeah, man. You know, like that. For all we know, this Belichick thing, I, I don't even know if there's a Patriots way. It's a Brady way from from, 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 from this saying, point yeah. of view. It's a Brady way. And so I don't <laughs> – I have no other words for him except find your own identity with, yeah. you, with that one. And you're going to have to find it without Deshaun. Yes, sir. All right, that wraps it up for Texans. We'll be right back.
we are back with the break room, man. Moving on from the Texans to another, I guess, what, not so trash? Kind of nah, no, 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 no. I, I don't think trash is the word. I think, uh, like, I think mid tier. Yeah, mid look, mid tier injury plagued, bright future Houston Rockets. Bright. I mean, well, uh, well, looking down road. I mean, down, when we talk road. about the Texans, we talk about terrible management. Houston Rockets new GM Raphael Stone. Raphael Stone is yeah. great. Well, the Rockets team isn't great, but we're not horrible either. We're not horrible it's, either. It's, it's, it's what, I think it's what we expected from the Rockets when we heard about the players who were getting. We have yeah. things to look forward to with our basketball organization. The next Rockets jersey you buy should come with a side of crutches. Yeah, a lot, a lot of banged up dudes on the Rockets. But like I said, there's, there's a, it's a bright future for this team. But as of this moment, as of this year, it, it's a bumpy season for the Rockets. We're eleven and thirteen. You know, we were we lost three in a row. You know, as we speak tonight, we just lost to the Pelicans. We've lost three in a row since losing Christian Wood to that bad ankle injury. And uh, this team is this team cannot contend without Wood and Wall on the floor. And, and Wall, who has made a great comeback case, he's still battling. You know, some recovery uh, from his injury the last two years. And it's it's obvious now that. First off, Wood is the heart. This is the new heart. Oh, er, Wall is the new heart and soul of this organization, at least as far as binding everyone together. Now, Wood is obviously, I mean, the talent. The he, talent. He's hopefully still going to make the all star team. I'm hoping he's going to be back in the next two weeks. And I think he still has a great case for most improved. I, I think that's what we've been seeing. And since Wood, you know, got hurt in that game four, four games ago, um, you know, we can't, we can't win a game. With Wood, like I say, I, he'll definitely come back. It's not a season-ending injury. It looked bad, though. I mean, it did sh- look bad. It literally looked bad. But I'm pretty sure he'll be back. It, like I said, hopefully by the All Star game, but definitely I feel like towards the end of the season, I, and hopefully he has just a long, bright future here with the Rockets. I, 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 if he comes back, and him and Wall can make it through the rest of the season. I think, you know, try to sneak into an eighth seed. I think if, if the Jazz hold at number one, I would love a Jazz-Rockets first-round matchup. We're still a long ways away. I know they're the best. They're, they're the, arguably the best team in basketball on the dark horse to make a run. I don't know. I, I, w- I, would, I would enjoy that matchup a lot a lot more than, than a Lakers-Rockets or a Clippers-Rockets matchup. I just playing the team ball that Wall, Wood, and the rest – can play I think it would just be a better matchup against the Jazz you know I'm obviously anti-Jazz right now I got the Celtics right now against the Jazz as we speak so uh but this team has to get healthy there's just there's no if we want to win games this year we we have to get healthy and this was the problem um we were talking about I think I was talking to you guys about a few episodes ago just about so how many injuries this team has and it's really come coming to the forefront but we we can't act like we didn't know this was a possibility. Oh, you said it. You said it when I was calling the wall trade. I mean, you said it. The injuries are a factor for John Wall. And it's not really even like he's hurt. He's still just doing rehab for, for his previous injuries. Um, and, and But this is, you know, this is the new NBA that we've grown accustomed to. Guys take nights off. Yeah. The, the problem is, like, you, could, you might as well scratch the games that Wall's resting. Yeah. Uh, but think about John Wall, him coming up and being the glue for the team. I really don't have a problem with that because – the, the guy's can, a leader. He is. He is. And he but gets buckets. Only thing, the only problem with that is I see something. I see. A, I foresee a problem down the line with that, because how many, how often do we see the leader, the captain, missing games? You know, and so whether right. it's injury or for personal reasons, right? The usually the leader needs to be on the court, and so that's the issue I see. I see coming on down the line, especially like I don't know Christian Woods personally. I don't know him how what his role is as far as energy or personality with the team, but the talent usually if if the talent isn't the leader, the talent can usually have a problem with whatever the whoever the leader is. We've seen that many times with different teams, you know. Well, yeah, and I, but I think the great thing about this organization right now is that no one has a problem with, with Wall leading the team. This mm. is a team full of young guys. Um, Jay, that's what, that's what not now. Right, right. You know, Jay Sean Tate is, is a guy who's coming along nicely. Um, he's a cleaner on defense. Uh, I'm just going to brag about Jay Sean Tate for one second. Um, you know, they, they, the Rockets defend seven points better when Jay Sean Tate's on the floor. Um, is a dog in the paint, doesn't back down from anyone, commits a lot of turnovers, but he's young. 
I expect that to be cleaned up. But back to Wall, without Wall on the court with those young guys, it, it just it just crumbles as of right now. Mm-hmm. As of right now. And speaking on uh, speaking on Wall and him missing in. Um... I know what you talked about with the um, you want to see a this hypothetically what you want to see a, you said you want to see a Jazz and Rockets uh, matchup in the playoffs for a first round. Let's say Oladipo isn't there because we are hearing trade rumors about Victor Oladipo. I like them as a, I like them as a duo. I really do. You um, like Oladipo and Wall as a duo? I don't. You don't? I don't at all. Oladipo can't shoot the ball, man. I mean. In this league right now, to have your two guard not be able to shoot the ball, and he's got Westbrook like speed, locks it down on D. But you know, I know we we were we were talking about a trade with L.A. Kuzma, KCP for Oladipo before the season ends. And just to go further into the trade rumor, okay, so Houston would well, L.A. would get Oladipo and a second round pick. Houston would get uh, KCP, Kyle Kuzma. Alex Casario and a twenty and a twenty two twenty two first round pick. Yeah, that that's uh for, for Oladipo and, and what else would well, we give we give Oladipo them? and a second round pick, like a swap pick we had. Yeah, that that's a lot for the Lakers. I mean, unless they plan to sign him after this year, but they just signed Dennis Schroeder. I, I don't see that that'd be a huge I think loss for them because Braun has like eight more years. He he loves these guys like Kuzma and KCP to surround himself. Some guys that can shoot. I mean, I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into Oladipo's uh, three point percentage right here, but it, it can't be anything good. It, it hasn't been good uh, this year. I think it's making him a very tough option to to deal. And he's another one who is coming off injuries. I mean, pretty much two years of it. Yeah. I know he wants to get to Miami, wants to get to L.A., one of those bigger markets. Personally, I don't see it happening. I mean, he's shooting you know, 32% from the three-point line. As a two-guard in the NBA right now, that's, I mean, that's these big teams. I mean, Miami and, and L.A. certainly don't want it, and he does not going back to a small market. Oladipo contracts, he, his contract ends at the end of the season. I think it would obviously be extremely beneficial for the Rockets to get picks for him now. But I don't see any of these trades happening. I, I really don't. Yeah, um, well, yeah, going off with his shooting because what do the Lakers really need at this time? They don't really well, need I guess too, they don't, too much. Yeah, I guess yeah. they don't need a shooter. Exactly. You're not. You're not wrong. And so, given what Oladipo's play, he is, he's more so a slashing guard who can shoot occasionally. Would, you know? would he come off the bench in L.A.? Who's hmm. probably he, he, he's starting Dennis Schroeder or Victor Oladipo? I'm probably Schroeder just because. I like Dennis. No too. way! I'll, I'll take Oladipo over Schroeder starting. Really? Yeah. I'm not. I and, I, and, and you know who so. else is not? Is, it, is LeBron James right now? The drop off isn't crazy though. That's the only. That's exactly. But that's the thing. LeBron's picky though. LeBron is a picky man when it comes to to who he's going to put himself on the floor with. Not that I'm saying Victor would be a bad option, but he he just he has a role with Dennis right now. Cuz what I think they're thinking, I don't, I think they're thinking Kyle would have been further along than what he is right now. Absolutely. And so he's not. Now, nah, he's farther along with his with his wardrobe than he is on the court. Exactly. And so for whatever color he has his hair at this time. So I saw League Fits on Instagram post a picture of Larry Bird yesterday and Kuzma commented tagging Devin Booker and he just went LOL and Bird was rocking like Bird was rocking a Converse uh crew neck with khakis rolled up and he had some old school white Converse on just in Larry Bird fashion Kuzma was trying to ruin his drip uh now nah, Kuzma's got to get now nah, Kuzma is I think stuff. he's he in, in, he's improved enough over the last year where where, where LeBron hasn't quite kicked him out like he hmm. did to Lonzo but it certainly isn't the the Kuzma hype that we saw the first year. Exactly, we would at this time we would have thought Kuzma was, was going to be a, a high rising star around this time. Yeah, potential you know, all star maybe. Exactly, not a little less than a Jason Tatum level. You know, we Ooh. Were, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I guess when they're both coming out that first year, yeah, I, I yeah, you could have made that case. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. Definitely not anymore. But we were expecting that back then. You know, so for them to deal Kuzma while he still has some kind of relevancy as a player. You know, I think that's what they're thinking right now. And Victor Oladipo isn't too far off from Schroeder. You can almost interchange them depending on what you want to do offensively. And Victor Oladipo can play defense. And so 
you can never have too many defensive players. You're exactly right, and that's going to wrap up our Rockets talk. We're we're gonna we're gonna come back with you next week with more maybe potential Depot landing spots. Got to happen sooner or later. Yeah. I mean, either either that or we're riding with him to the end of the season, and uh, and and we'll lose him in free agency. I'm sure Raphael Stone has something up his sleeve with Oladipo. He wants picks for that guy before he loses him. Yeah. Let's so, move on to who's hot and who's not. Um, who you got first for us, Will? We got Nolan Arenado as our, as our first one. Just signed a, a, a huge record deal with the uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, for baseball fans out there, the Cardinals are going to be back. Back in their normal running the NL conversations with the Padres. Maybe the Mets. We'll see. Uh, but no. Nolan Arenado finally got his big contract. Yadier Molina came out and said he cannot wait to play with his new teammate. Those two have combined 17 gold gloves. Nolan Arenado and Yadier Molina. That's who's hot for me. All right, for me, my who's hot, I have Tom Brady, man. 43 years old, new team. First teams to host the Super Bowl in their home stadium. I'm glad you said it because my listeners are about done <laughs> hearing it from me. Yeah, man, you got to give it to him. Okay, you brought your you brought your homeboy Gronk out of retirement. He catches two Super Bowl two pass in the two touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. You bring, bring a, a B who nobody wanted. Nobody. He was no, done. He was done. His time in the NFL was done. He had and lost it, his brain. Brady Literally. Brady went out to Tampa Bay. AB's brain was somewhere out there in the water of Tampa Bay. Tom got it, secured it safely back in AB's brain. And what do you know? And Antonio became, Brown is back. And became a legitimate weapon. And, some, and, and so... Came alive. And then you bring Leonard Fournette, who wants to play with you, who Leonard Fournette had... Was a former NFL lead, uh, league in rushing at, in one, at one time. And so you bring him at... Uh, he was a secondary running back, but then eventually became your primary in the playoffs uh, later on in the season. And so, man, you got to give it to Tom Brady, man. Uh, seven rings, ten appearances, three touchdown passes, no interceptions. No interceptions, no picks. 201 yards. Made man. my day. It's, and was so relaxed. So relaxed. Wasn't pressured at all. He could have left and got coffee and came back to the pocket and threw what a What pressure? Down. What there, pressure? There was none. There still was here. None. Hey, we're still here. Me uh, – Brady and his fans, we're still here. We're still here. Thank you, Charles, for that. Who's hot? All right, on to who's not. Marcus, you got anybody who's hot? Uh, yeah, I I'm going to just throw someone out there. It's Well, I know we both saw it on Friday. Mr. Jose Cansenko himself. That dude. What? This is he, who's not. Yeah, we're on who, to yeah, who's who, not. Oh, yeah. yeah, who's not. Jose Canseco is not. Yeah, it's – well, you saw the fight, right? course i did so well, charles i don't know if you saw it so there's this whole big old kind of like promotion against jose Cinco against one of barstool's interns mm. and they went into a fight everybody was expecting like hey man this, this is this might be pretty decent i mean it was, jose Cinco was a big dude mr Forty Forty. if you're listening to last week's episode then we had uh, a young a, a young guy named billy football and the intern trying to make his name for himself in the barstool community Fight lasted 10 seconds and robbed Dave Portnoy of, what, a million bucks? Yeah, so, listen, I spent, two weeks ago, I spent 20 minutes of this podcast talking about Canseco's film, The Truth Hurts, about how he got screwed by the MLB and how, um, actually, I look, I paid, I paid him his respect on this podcast. You know, when all those guys got busted, he was the only one to come out and say, hey, I took steroids. That being said, my my opinion on this guy slow <laughs> actually very quickly changed. Yeah, it was Jose Canseco versus Billy Football. You know, Billy Football is the intern for the Pardon My Take podcast. It's the number one sports podcast out right now for Barstool. But yeah, we I guess the truth hurts was was completely Hollywood because we quickly saw just how much of a loser this Jose Canseco guy is. He comes out loses. He doesn't even get hit by Billy Football, and he drops to the floor. Not a single punch. I guess Billy not Football punch. punches hard enough that the force knocks someone out. I don't even think oh, Billy my. got him in the face, but he dropped and said he tore his labrum. <laughs> so then everyone, the next question is, look, some people were saying, oh, like, why, why do we buy this fight? The fight was great. The night was great. The prelims were great. It was 20 bucks for, for, for some great entertainment. Dollar fight. Yeah, it was a dollar fight. 
Yeah, so everyone was 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 like, "Oh, why do we buy this?" Conseco makes one point five million at the end of the night, and then he gets on Twitter and goes to to Dave Portnoy, president of Barstool, "Get your name out of your filthy New England clam chowder filled mouth. You and your Barstool minions need to put down the marijuana and focus on your failing business." And then this morning, wait for it, wait for it. Let's find out what really happened here. Did anyone? ever see me get hit in the face at all wait for the truth it's all coming to a theater near you this guy's a sellout (laughs) this canseco guy i'm listen i take back everything i said about the truth hurts uh he's a walking scam and and he's obviously broke put on a terrible show saturday night but shout out billy intern for getting the job done shout out the interns everywhere (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing it, doing it for team intern. Shout out to all the interns everywhere. But, uh, Charles, you got anyone left for who's not? Yeah, my who's not, man. The Seattle Seahawks organization. So, why are they on the, on the not list? Russell Wilson has come out and said that he's not sure about his future. I'm paraphrasing. He's not sure about his future in Seattle and – He's not sure about the whole organization. And He's not sure about Pete, Pete Carroll, Carroll. Who is sure about him? No one. Russell Wilson just won the Walter Payton Award. Russell Wilson has been in the MVP conversation for who, I don't know how long, almost every year. Almost every year, yeah. I feel like. And so for this quarterback, without him, what are the Seahawks? Not you, yet. They're nothing. You have no defense. The Legion of Boom is done. That's been done for years now. And so – you had you just acquired a great receiver in DK Metcalf. You had Tyler Locker, who has been a kind of a upper tier uh, receiver, but without somebody throwing the ball, who are they? Well, and, and without any protection, I mean they, that too. Yeah, they, they, I mean they even have Chris Carson in, um, in the backfield. No, you're exactly right. I, I think Russ has had enough with Seattle. And so, and for you to not, I, I don't know what you need to do. I don't if you need to get him involved in the, picking his own teammates and or something. Russell Wilson, I don't even know Russell Wilson personally, but he he comes across as a great human being. For to, not just to win the Walter Payton Award, obviously, but no off-the-field issues. Everybody respects him. The community respects Russell Wilson. Uh, people who don't even know him, they kind of hold him in high regard as just a person in general. And so to lose a quarterback like that, it's be it's beyond me. For, for him to not believe in the coach is a huge problem. I'm not saying fire Pete Carroll because I don't, I don't think it's a – bad coach i think is actually a really good coach i completely disagree and i think russ saw Pete get that big deal before the season and looked at his career in the mirror and said i don't know if i want to play for the worst play caller in the league okay for the next five years Schroeder <laughs> ran marshawn at the two yard line yeah yes, what is yes, that yes yes shout out malcolm butler malcolm what what is his career now? Nah, nothing. Nothing. He, he's, nothing. He's like a third, now, like a third string receiver, cornerback. You know, people, uh, people tried to hype him up like of he was course. a top five corner. Like, that play got play. that play, play got him one paid. Play. That play. play got him paid. Oh my! Tennessee went up and paid him. And when after and Belichick's that, laughing at the bank while they do it. When I said when I remember when that play happened, I told people I'm like, who is that guy? What? Yeah, who? No, who who, is, no, no. I was saying who is Pete Carroll? Oh my god. Malcolm Butler. Till this day, Nobody I don't know understand. what team he plays for. Yeah. Does he even start anymore? I'm, I'm, I don't know if he's still in the league. I don't know. I don't. I no. I, I don't even think he's still in the league. Let me, let me look this up real quick. Oh, but yeah, he won a play, and he, for some reason, everybody thought he was like, "Oh my God, look at this Malcolm guy! He, he's the best thing ever!" Like, like he did one thing. What happened? Okay, he's still in the Titans. Okay, then I think. But but Ned, he he's had nowhere near that type of publicity or. I mean, yeah, he made a great play. Listen, all I think about that play is just the – I mean, that was a terrible play call. Yeah, it was just a bad – why would you – Yeah, no, yeah, I know. We can go it's on what the whole It's what the whole world wonders. Yeah, the world – Hey, but it gave know. Tom another – it gave Tom another Super Bowl. It huh? did give Tom another ring, man. <laughs> and we'll close it there. Uh, that's all for Episode 5 of the Break Room Podcast. You can go follow us at the Break Room, H-O-U, on Twitter. And d.breakroom.podcast on Instagram. I'm Will Doctor. Charles Carter, man. Marcus Castillo. And we'll see you next week on the Breakfast Podcast.